0: So uh, one of the pastors here and I want to read something and you let me know if you've ever been in this situation before. If this is if this has ever described you, uh, because unfortunately, a number of times it has described me. An impulse purchase is an unplanned decision to buy a product made just before you buy something else. One who tends to make such purchases is referred to as an impulse buyer. Research findings suggest that emotions and feelings play a decisive role in purchasing, triggered by seeing something upon exposure to a well-crafted promotional message. Marketers and retailers tend to exploit these impulses, which are tied to the basic want for instant gratification. So an impulse buy isn't something that's delayed. It's a Snickers bar right there waiting for you, that belly kind of grumbling, and you're ready to feed it right away. You know, For example, a shopper in a supermarket might not, might not specifically be shopping for candy, but because of the place where it's located and because of that grumbling belly, you jump on it. And even though you have an entire cart full of food that might be healthy, an impulse buy goes against the logical choice. Alternatively, impulse buying can occur when a potential consumer spots something related to a product that stirs a particular passion in them, such as seeing a a country's flag on the cover of a CD or a DVD. You don't even like country music. But all of a sudden, now, yeah, let me try that out. Impulse buying can also extend to the so-called big-ticket items, like an automobile or home appliances. Hear here, this last part, these last two sentences. Impulse buying disrupts the normal decision-making process, disrupts the normal decision models for consumers' brains. The logical sequence of the consumer's actions is replaced with an irrational moment of self-gratification. Impulse items appeal to the emotional side of consumers. Raise your hand if you've ever been an impulse buyer. Alright, alright, there's a couple of y'all that resist them Snickers, I know. (laughs) Family, we're in the book of Proverbs right now and we are walking through a number of different topics. And those topics have ranged from making sure that we pursue wisdom, from, from giving honor to God over honor to man, to understanding how mercy is extended to us, and yet we are called to extend mercy. But today is not uh, as much a challenge in what we want you to be about Today is more of a challenge in what we do not want you to be about, what we want you to be cautious of, what we want you to be aware of. And so today's topic is actually the topic of being aware of seduction. Seduction, it's this this concept that seeks to draw you away from your normal parameters as a believer, as a believer, you normally make God-centered decisions. You normally have a process of thought that follows what Christ would have you to do. But seduction, it desires to take you off of that normal course. It desires to, 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 to take advantage of your impulse decision made out of feelings, made out of emotions, and not made out of a God-centered mindset. So that's where we're going today. And family, if you guys need Bibles, please raise your hand. Uh, Some Bibles will come around. Uh, Please feel welcome to ask questions as long as they will contribute to the edification of everyone. Uh, I'm always around afterwards, so if you have a question that you, like, personally don't think that the whole body would benefit, but it might be something that you just personally struggle with, we can always talk afterwards. Uh, But please feel free to raise your hands and... uh, some people will come around with Bibles. Let's start out with what a def- the definition of seduction. The definition of, of, of being seduced is primarily one related to sex. And the Bible speaks of it in the same way. It's primarily one that is a lure, an, an enticement, a, a draw to, to sexual uh, activity. But it's also... Uh, its second definition is one to persuade you to do something that's inadvisable. So, so even though uh, I mean, we were blessed this morning to, to, to have some people talk about like gossip, like, you know, sometimes seduction can draw you in to do things you wouldn't normally do. And afterwards you say, why, why did I do that? It's not even who I am. But, but family, there's a there's there. So the book of Proverbs is is a, a father teaching these truths to a son and we are blessed to benefit from it. And I, and I want to start out by making sure that the women in the congregation are extremely encouraged because while the um, concepts are brought forth from a father to his son. And so oftentimes what we hear about when it speaks of seduction is that of a woman. Please know this is not just speaking of, of uh, only men should be aware of seduction of women. It's equally uh, sisters be on the alert. You be aware of the seduction of men because the goal here is that we would all compromise our covenant character. We would all compromise our Christ centered nature. We would all not be who God wants us to be and be pulled in to something that's inadvisable. So what is a covenant? A covenant is an arrangement between two parties involving mutual obligations, especially the arrangement that established the relationship between God and his people. So God says, give me your whole life. I'll give you me. There's definitely not an equal exchange here. Just because it's mutual doesn't mean it's equal. So God gives you way more than you could ever give him. And we praise the Lord for that. That's why my brothers and sisters are singing out this morning. But he still requires something of you. He still wants your life. And so this, this covenant that we're in with God also gets to be uh, um, mirrored, gets to be replicated in the covenant between man and woman in marriage. And so we, we see two covenants acted out. First, one between us and God, every person in here. So if you're single, if you're married, that doesn't change. You are in a relationship with Christ if you believe that he is your Lord. If you don't, then that's where we, we desire for you to really get connected in community and understand that there's only one life to live, and that's a life for God. And anything else, you're being fooled. You're being fooled to thinking that it's best to live for kids. And you want to raise a strong household of little kids. You're being fooled into thinking that it's best to live for, for profession. And that I want to be a well-rounded well-rounded uh, business person or, or, or an amazing carpenter. You're being fooled. The, the, the only goal... Of life period not just for the Christian the only goal for all people is to bring God glory and we either choose to accept that and celebrate it or choose to miserably delight in things that pale in comparison. So there's two covenants there's a covenant between us and God. Then a covenant between man and woman in marriage, and the one and the, the covenant in marriage simply is to to to, to show and display a, a union between two people that's that that models after the union of the Trinity, and for the world to experience and see love demonstrated in a way uh, that that happens as a result of the cross and the the the, the uh, encouragement of God. So, what are we being seduced to? We're being seduced. To make an inadvisable decision to not serve God or to not serve one another in marriage. That's the goal. But we 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 could make a third right because no I'm sorry in the first in not serving God that can be played out a lot of ways. So that can be uh, um, me knowing what God desires. And still uh, circumvent that and choose to to uh, delight and have sex with someone out of marriage that that can be a single person having sex prior to marriage see when when we 're talking about this entire thing it 's not just a couple it 's also singles. We need to be mindful that. Even when we break this covenant, it's the covenant to God. So for my married people, you have a boo. For my single people, God is your boo. Don't cheat on either of your boos. Y'all with me? Amen? Amen. So we begin to start looking through uh, Genesis and Matthew and a few things. And I got to give you guys the backdrop so you understand this. So, so Genesis is one example of that covenant we talked about between man and woman, okay? That uh, uh, man will leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and then shall will become one flesh. And then in Matthew, it just talks about the, the uniting of the two people becoming one. That's something that God does. So they no longer uh, two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined, let no man separate. But, we, but even before this, there's a, what would you call it? It's, it's like a, a mantra of the house. It's like a, a saying of the family, right? So in my family, um, there was two things that, that would be said all the time. Like the men would say to the boys, if somebody hits you, you hit them back. <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? I know that's not, not, not really the, the gospel way to do it, but that was the mantra of our household, okay? Uh, and, and I don't know what was said to the ladies because I wasn't in that conversation. But we had our own like house mantras. You know what I'm saying? So as the people of Israel, the people of Israel have a house mantra. It's called the Shema. And in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, this this is what every dad, mom poured into the kids. It was like, this is what we say before we go out to the world. And family, this is what you are to be. We are, I am to be. We are to be teaching As we go out into the world, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this is what's being continually impressed upon the hearts and continually impressed upon the hearts. But, and and we see this expressed three times in the Bible. You see it in Deuteronomy six, you see it in uh, Deuteronomy 11 and you see it in numbers 37. But in Deuteronomy 11, before the family saying, it says this. It says, Take care lest your hearts be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. So so let, let that that uh let your hearts be deceived is a phrase that means seduced. It's a phrase that means entice. If it's a phrase that means drawn away from. Take care. Lest you, lest you be seduced and turn aside to serve other gods and worship them. Why? Because God, oh God, is your, he is your Lord and Savior. You go back to that Shema and that's who you are. But but. Before you can serve them when you wake, before you serve them when you walk, before you serve them when you sleep, before it's all encompassing, I want to let you know there's someone that's coming to deceive you and pull you away from that. So there's a warning that's given so that we would not compromise this beautiful covenant that God has established with us. So we're going to talk now about a few ways that seduction plays out. From the Bible standpoint, y'all with me? So in in chapter six, verse twenty-five, it says, "Do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes." Now, the the, the focus here is one of lust, and it's and it's communicated in a slow progression. So it's even as he's talking to his son, he's not saying, "Son, like." You just wilding. You crazy. I know you would just go run with a prostitute. He's saying, no, like, the subtle way that you might begin to desire a woman that would not reflect out of God can build. And it can fester. And it can become more poisonous. And um, if y'all know me, you know that I love sweets. I'm like, a <laughs> see Pastor Russ though. No. <laughs> I love sweets. And so it's almost the image of like right here, there being like one donut hole. <laughs> and then right here, there are being like two donuts. But then over here is like 90 donuts. And I was going to actually like do that so you guys could visually see it, but my heart wouldn't let me like throw away 90 donuts. Cause I couldn't let you eat seduction, right? Like, so. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's that idea of lust, like, begins to like draw you in, and before you know it, you're making decisions that you don't usually make. And I, even as your pastor, have 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 like had to repent of indulging of lusting things at times. And while the, while the goal here is primarily one of sex, don't check out if you don't struggle with sexual issues. Because you can still struggle with lust. You can still desire really nice cards. And, and one of the things I struggle with is accolades. You know, I want everybody to know MacAve is off the chain because I did it. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that because I'm a pastor. Because God did it. Because God did it. Yes, God. You know, like, like family lust. Is, is, is always crouching at the door of Christians because Satan is, and he wants you to, based on your emotion, to desire something different than God who fills all, all wants and needs, who, who is above everything we, we could ever ask for, but wants to steal our focus away from a God who is all-sufficient. So through lust, But now we begin to see it happen through smooth words. And um, in in verses, in chapter 7, verse 4 and 5, it says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words so intimate it's it's this it's this this concept of discerning of understanding of of choosing right thinking it's it's um it, it he's trying to say pursue god which will give you the strength to resist the woman and early on in my in my in my christian upbringing i used to really like like uh kind of put down dudes that was like I wouldn't say legalistic, but were uh, really emphasizing on discipline, on spiritual discipline. So guys would come to me like, hey, Leon, you read your Bible? No, man, but I'm loving Jesus. What's wrong with you? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, why are you asking me? Or did I do it? I, I didn't. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? You know, and you start going there. But, but now and that I'm a little older, I realize how healthy discipline is. Discipline is not your savior. Discipline is not what, what does all things, but what it can do is keep you before God even when you don't want to. Even when you like, man, I'd rather do 10 other things, but this devotional is important, so I'm going to go spend time with God right now. That's, that's the message here. It's not one of legalism. It's one of delight. It's one of, it's one of preservation. It's one of you need this. Commit to it because if not, you become weak. You become weak. It's it's crazy. I have friends that played that played uh, profe- um, excuse me collegiate sports, and you can't be a collegiate athlete without practice. You can't like. Unfortunately, I went to a, a, a my my we had coaches that cared more about practice than education. You miss class, they might let you slide. Miss practice. Go ahead, miss practice. See what happened. I mean, and, and, and so why? Because they realized to perform on the field only 12 times a year took 90 days of practice. And family, we are, in, we are in an environment. We are in a situation. We are living a life where every day we are challenged. Allow discipline to be a part of your regular lifestyle. And pray for me, pray for your pastoral leadership, that that would be the case. That in the midst of everything that you guys bless us with, all the opportunities to, to serve and see people come to Christ and to be a part of your lives, that we would not forsake anything beyond being disciplined in pursuing God's deep and rich well. So so, so smooth words happen from, from this woman and, and um, smooth words are, are one that, so I'm going to step away for a second and just, okay. So this is one for the married folk and then one for the, for the um, like, to be married folk. For men, uh, ego stroking easily allows a man to begin to slip up. Ego stroking easily allows men to slip up. So, I, I'm saying that because wives make sure that you are caring for your husband and he hears celebration from you. It should not come first from outside of the home. So that when he's in the community, it's not foreign. You know, you don't want him out in the community and someone's like, hey, you're looking good today. Oh, here I am, you know. No, nah, you know, thank you. But, but i my, i've heard that from my wife within the last week you know i've been i've been blessed my my tank is full from my wife to be husbands do this with your wives to be wives do this with your husbands all right back in the pulpit um smooth words they it it's uh it's a uh uh, uh a seductive method of luring and capturing the attention of capturing the attention. And that's, that's, that's the, that's why our attention needs to be rooted in Christ spending our time in the word so that those things are not attractive. But there's another way that, uh, that, that we begin to see seduction played out in Proverbs and it's in the way of folly. And so it's, uh, uh, Mike, we're gonna go with uh 913. Yep, thank you. The woman folly is loud. And and folly is just that of foolishness. It's uh, it's it's basically stupidity. It it makes no sense. You you shouldn't be doing this. Now, not only does it will it talk about like that theme, but it even says that this woman is that, like the person that would seek to draw you away sexually is stupid. The woman folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let them turn in here. And to, take and <laughs> and to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he who does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. And Sheol is, is, is uh, another word for hell. Do you see how um, even her statements are dumb? Are stupid? Stolen water is so sweet. And bread eaten in secret is so pleasant. I've, I, um, I've been... Uh, um, I've been roped into doing some stupid stuff, okay? So I was, I was in college. Me and all the homies are back. And uh, the nightclub is jumping. It's packed. We can't get in. So one of the friends says, hey, I got an idea. We're going to jump this gate, jump on a boat, jump off the boat, onto the patio, and then we'll go in the patio and act like we were just there. He jumped the gate. We all said we jump in the gate. So before I knew it, I'm jumping the gate. I'm on a boat. I jump off the boat. I'm on the patio. And I look back and I'm like, whoa. Okay, wait. I just jumped off a boat (laughs) onto a patio. And I didn't think, but but the undercurrent of the Cuyahoga River, and I'm in the flats in Cleveland. The undercurrent of the Cuyahoga River, you don't live from. If you fall in the water, you die. Or I shouldn't say that. Maybe you can hold your breath a long time. You come up down the river. But I also had my closest friend with me who could not swim. So this is just getting stupider and stupider, y'all. You, you, you feeling me? But the presentation seemed so good. What I wanted at the time seemed so important. And so it made impulsive sense. But now that I look back in my right mindset... Family, it was a recipe for death. A recipe for death. And I had a guy who couldn't swim, jumping. A recipe for death. This is what folly is. Folly is it's, it's a stupid idea. Also a stupid execution. But... Family, when we're not focused, when you when we're not getting in the covenant relationship and community so people can expose that stupidity. Sometimes we're not sitting in the word and we're we're digging deeply from Christ. Well, it makes so much sense. It makes sense. And so I I I greatly desire that none of you, that none of us would be seduced, that we wouldn't be fooled into thinking that foolish ways are actually smart. But notice that this, this woman is not hiding in, a, in, a, uh, in an alley. She's not um, uh, somewhere where only a few wimpy guys or only a few people that are really weak get to be seduced. She's right in the front on the streets in the highest, place, what is it, highest places of the town. She takes a seat and she's saying that everybody comes. There are some that are not. There are some that are resisting, continuing, but there are some that are simple. And she's not even, she's not even shy about it. She's like, yeah. <laughs> come on, dummy. Come on. Let me lead you to death, dummy. Okay, here I come. Okay. You know, like, I mean, that, that, that's how, that, that, that's the type of, like, draw that this, that, I mean, is that clear, you know? But Proverbs twelve twenty one, uh, excuse me, twelve twenty six says, "One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray." Again, family, that's why we we really are serious about discipleship. We're serious about community. Like you need people to sharpen you. You need people to say, "That's a uh, we 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 don't usually come that strong, or right? that's a dumb, foolish idea." But we'll tell you that maybe maybe you want to rethink that. Because left to our own selves, it's easy for wickedness to flourish. Then we have uh, in chapter 16, verses 25 through 29. There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, end is the way to death. A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. A worthless man plots evil in his speeches. Like a scorching fire, a dishonest man spreads strife and whispers uh, and a whisperer separates close friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor uh, and leads him in a way that that is not good. Again, wanting to make sure just that that we understand that that focus on on community family. Now, though, we focus on adultery itself, like cheating on your spouse. Or, dare I say, cheating on your God. There's a, uh, a study done by uh, this organization called MDRC. Uh, Ford, Henry Ford and a bunch of his money uh, started this foundation along with the government. It's supposed to be a nonpartisan organization. And they focused on poverty solely. Based out of New York, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars. They've done all these different research stats. They try to affect policy that cares for the poor and helps alleviate uh, impoverished neighborhoods. Uh, while they have millions upon millions of dollars and a great big staff, the dent has been pretty small, but they're making some strides. One of the studies they conducted showed that divorce happens primarily. Uh, or not primarily, oftentimes, I think it was a third of the time, happens as a result of adultery. That happens in a middle-class community and it happens in an impoverished community. The impoverished community, though, it happens quicker because of the amount of drama in life. So if, if you cheat on me and we broke, we might split up quicker. Y'all following me? If you cheat on me... And, you know, we have seven kids in a two-bedroom house, we might split up quicker. The amount of drama in life adds to uh, um, the breakdown of the family. One of the things they did was they brought in this class. They brought in a class and they began to teach impoverished people and middle-class people and said, look, there's three topics that seem to have the biggest transformation. It was called a prep class. And those three topics were commitment, forgiveness, and clarity of expectation. Commitment, forgiveness, and clarity of expectations. Now, the first five years, this did wonders for the impoverished group. And, the, and, and as many of you guys know... Um, you get married, the idea is really cool, you're really excited. Then you wake up with this person that, like, don't do everything you say. First, first few years of marriage are a joy, but you got, you got an awakening that happens. I mean, you got a whole other person you are accountable to, and they don't always do what you want to do. So those first five years are, are, uh, uh, can be a joyous but uh, uh, trying time. Commitment, forgiveness, clarity of expectations. What they found, though, was after five years, those that were impoverished, that still had those same sets of drama-filled lives, ended up getting divorces. Ended up. With things like adultery having the same impact. And one of the things they attributed to was hey, this class was good, but it it we falter. We loved the idea of commitment, forgiveness, and clarity of expectations. But why did we commit to it? For her, for him? What about on a bad day when I can't stand him? Am I still committed to forgiving him? See, the, the world can't replicate what God calls us to be about as Christians. They get that it's smart. They get that it's beneficial, but it can't sustain off of our goodness. My, you, you think you're good enough to just forgive people just because? <laughs> Only I, I'm Only reason I have the understanding to forgive any of you is because I know the depths of my sin and that God has forgiven me. Family, we are committed to a God who says, yeah, you to be about these things. You to be about commitment. Because you were committed to me before you married anyone. I had your heart. You were committed to me. Yeah, you to be about forgiveness. Look what I've forgiven you of. Clarity of expectations, some of us working on that, huh? We, some of us, we working on that. Some of the brothers, just look straight. Don't, don't look to your wife. Look straight. Look at me. I'm, I'm getting you out of this one. We brothers, we working on that, you know? I don't know if that's a biblical principle or not. I think it's healthy for our homes, though. Very healthy for our homes. But commitment and forgiveness are biblical. Those are things that we will be committed to until the day that we die because we love Jesus. The world's trying to imitate what the church should be about. But sadly, the church is experiencing some of the same effects as the world. Our divorce rates are, are starting to mimic that of the world. And one of the reasons why Proverbs is very clearly trying to warn you is because what, your arrogance can set you up for failure. If you think, oh, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. Please. You know how much I love her? Never. Never. I hear you have confidence, but be aware, be aware. Don't let, don't let that donut hole get you. <laughs> don't let that donut hole start, start to lure you in. Yeah. See somebody praising up in here. <laughs> so, so family, um, I, I wanted to walk through just a, a, a last, we're, we're going to end on chapter seven, Mike. Because it almost walks through, like, the playing out of all the different components we've talked about. And in and, and Proverbs, you usually get these snippets of wisdom. Boom, like, um, uh, like choose, choose God's way over your way. Boom, like, allow mercy to be a part of your life. We don't too often get, like, a whole chapter that, like, exp- that, um, uh, uh, gives you almost an illustration as if you're there seeing it all play out. So, if you will, just like uh, we're going to chapter seven, if you will, uh, be, be patient with me as we walk through this, because uh, I think that it'll 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 just it'll allow all of us to see how things can unfold. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. So first, this is what I want you to be about, son. Go for this. This is your aim. To keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice. So the the father now is describing what he sees from his home. And I have seen, seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, so he sees a guy who already is not making wise choices. This dude might be deemed a little foolish or he might be deemed naive he't but, but he's not just like a dude that's blaringly like, I, "All I want is sin no like like this is a dude that that we don 't know the extent, but we know he's a guy that's not like sharp he's not those first four verses of being about. The Lord's business with diligence. Passing along a street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. Okay, so now we begin to see uh, this brother's unwise. Um, uh, have, have, have you guys ever? So my mom used to say to me uh, if something went down that wasn't healthy, you ain't had no business there. That, that phrase means, as a discerning person, when some drama's going on, like, you need to be gone. You need to leave it. This brother is going in an area at night, time of darkness, in an in a area of a community that might not be best. So, what do I, why do I pause here? Because... Time and time again, I hear the stories of temptation with things like pornography. And I know uh, from my own life and from the lives of others that brothers spending getting on the computer at midnight might not be the best choice. Yeah, you got the freedom to look on Facebook. Yeah, you got the freedom to look up cars and look up uh, new shoes and everything else. It might not be the wisest. It might not be the wisest. It might not be the wisest. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart, wily of heart. We're going to see throughout this whole chapter that, that, that seduction attacks every sense of this man. Senses, you know, like hearing, seeing, feeling, smelling, like every sense. So first, the eye. She's dressed provocatively. She captures the attention through through what he sees. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, in the market, and at every corner, she lies in wait. Again, that that, that, that verse 12 is just to let every believer know, don't think this is not for you. Because she's waiting for you. She seizes him, kisses him. What, what sense does a kiss evoke? Which of the senses is that? Feel, touch, okay? And with bold face, she says to him, and, I, and I've watched, I, I've seen this play out in my own life. I'll be walking with a friend, we go into a store, and then the woman there says, hey, how you doing? We got these shirts on sale, caresses my friend's arm. And I'm like, whoa, dude, do You see that? Like I, I, I know you guys are. You guys got the blank stare. It's cool. I want to prepare you. I want you guys to be on alert because all it takes is that that subtle caress. And I've I've known guys to leave and say things like, "Man, dude," I mean, say things that are inappropriate where I've had to had to had to, had to check them. Family, be on the alert. Like this is be aware. It's out there. And was that sister necessarily trying to sleep with him? I don't know. Maybe she was just trying to sell a shirt. I don't know. What I do know is that it, it can take a man's mind somewhere that it shouldn't be going. She seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says to him, and I'm sorry, y'all. When I saw a bold face, it just took me a bit of like a, like my mom used to be like, you know, that's a bold face lie. Like it's, it's clear to everybody what she's about. I had to offer sacrifices. And today I have paid my vows. This is, this is kind of crazy because this woman is one that, who do you offer sacrifices to? Y'all can answer that one. Who do you offer sacrifices to? God. So she's she basically saying, I've done my church thing for the moment. Now you, we, you and me can kick it. We, we, the God thing, you, you naive enough to need to hear me to just say I believe in Jesus too. Okay. I believe in Jesus. Can we sleep together? you know that that, that, that that that's how it's going down so now i have come out to meet you to seek you eagerly and i have found you i've spread my couch with coverings colored linens from from colored linens from egyptian linen again uh the visual she set set the environment you know nowadays they, the the thing is what the the silk sheets and the the uh, um, you know Versace sheets and all. I mean, she's setting it up to make it be a, a place where he wants to delight. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. What sense is that? Smell, smell. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Notice, it's not. Hey, let's go have sex and cheat on your wife. Let's 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 go get. You know, am, we don't have no kids, praise. But let's go get freaky and cheat on your, your, your spouse. No, it's let us have love together. Let us, let us delight in these things. Again, what, what, what is that, a, what is that a, if, it's, if it's if I'm insecure and there's a hole in my heart that I want filled, at times I can find love in an unhealthy way. We, we can, we can, we can find things to feed the need that only God should be filling. Y'all with me, but yet we'll settle. And she uses the language of settling the coats this dude in. Come on, we're going to make love. You about love, right? For my husband is not home and he has gone on a long journey. You can even be cool. Calm your defense. Put the gun away, Matt. He ain't coming for a while. You don't even need to worry. No one's going to catch you. And this is one that, 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 that we need to keep before the Lord with seduction. If no one was to ever catch you, would you do it? If no one would ever know, if not even God would know, which is impossible because God knows all things. But if, if, you were, if there was never to be a consequence... Would you compromise? If so, seduction is having its way. If so, seduction is having its way. And, and pray, seek the Lord so that you would not be able to say yes to that question. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. And with her smooth talk, she compels him. Got his ear. Smooth talked him. All at once, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast. Ox going to the slaughter. It's this idea of every day the guy goes and gets the ox, takes it out to go work. Every day there's a rhythm. But today we're not going to go work. Today I'm taking you to die. So this man who foolishly is being led by this woman doesn't even realize he's being led to death. Continue on, please. Still an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O oh sons, listen to me and be attentive to my word, to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways; do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol going down to the chambers of death. Family is a a vivid imagery of how we can be torn away from our first covenant, which is to God, and from our marital covenants that could be present. I pray that as we look at chapter 7, we go back here whenever we're tempted to, to seduction, wherever we are, we are drawn to be about things that would not bring God glory, especially in the realm of sexual behavior. But I, I typically leave you with three points or I leave you with an encouraging word today. I want to leave you with a scripture and Mike, if you can go to that first Corinthians for me. I want to leave leave you with this. No temptation, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This is for for every person who believes in Christ. And if you are here and you're struggling and you want help, help doesn't start with listening simply to Proverbs. Help starts with submission to God. Help starts with allowing Jesus Christ to be the head of your life. And we would love to talk with you more about that if you want more information and what it means, what, more understanding, more of a, of a body to come alongside you and walk with you in understanding what it means to live for God. But to every believer, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide you the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Maccabre family, will you pray with me? Lord, we don't want to be an impulsive people who through emotion and through um, unwise, inadvisable judgment, Lord, do things that wouldn't bring you joy. Our commitment is to you First. It's to you first. And Lord, we don't want to be taken away from our focus, which is you. So we ask that you would allow us to have discernment so that we may be aware when uh, anything seductive seeks to gain our attention. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us strength to resist temptation. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.